now. About to witness. And the kid is sleeping, so there will be no scream. The awesome crushing might of the Eugene S. Robinson show Stabber. Welcome, my friends, to a show that seemingly never ends. This is the Eugene S. Robinson Show Stomper version 184. Well, if you saw last night's UFC, You'll know that talking about it makes very little sense. If you see my Substack, you know that talking about it makes a lot of sense. If you don't care to hear business media talk that I've been whispering about for the last 10 years, I suggest you find somewhere else to go right now given the lateness of the evening. But right now, seeing us in as he has his 2007 Bob Riley from Stigmata. The song is called Intro, All of Nothing. Still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer. Should be definitely a nightclub and get rid of your pro-tem mayor. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being in payback for this nothing. All right. All right, my friend. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Heard any good jokes lately? <laughs> So now I've been threatening for the past few weeks. I've been threatening for the past few weeks. If those of you have paid attention, that I want to tell you something about, about, I want to tell you about something cataclysmic and dark and disturbing. I've been muttering about it for, for years, if you paid attention to. There are forces at work here. There are forces at work here. This is a shaggy dog tale that I started telling you probably about nine years ago. It didn't start to be a pro. No, I, I started talking about it right away. I knew enough not to not to out myself. A basic reading of uh, Albert Speer, <laughs> or William Shirer's book about the rising fall of the Third Reich, gave you a, a handbook, a handy handbook for surviving difficult situations in a compacted organization, compacted with lunacy. So I muttered, I whispered, I equivocated, I talked about it, I allegorized it. And now I can be very open about it. Let's go back in time so those of you who didn't read the Substack would know what I'm talking about. And I'm gonna go back Let's start, let's start at the most recent end. Last week, on Friday, Thursday of last week, I get a text. My understanding is that somebody from the New York Times is looking for me. Now, you know, it's nice when you're a kid, you hear somebody's looking for you. Generally, you know, you get nervous. Somebody's looking for you. Oh, you know, so I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, you know, throw some blows. And I was like, uh, Huh, okay, well, let me give these guys a call. Uh, I'm driving down the freeway, either going or coming back from jujitsu. It's the only place I go these days. 
And the guy set up a call. He goes, I'm busy doing something with my kid. Okay, he goes, yeah, sure, call tomorrow. So he calls me the next day. Now, on a parallel path, you all know that I have been separated from my employment at Ozzy. This happened end of May, June. The circumstances under which I was separated from Ozzy were very simple. Let's digress again. In October of 2020, the office had been shut down since, I don't know, April. COVID shut it down in 2020. People were working from home. In October, having a lot of time at home and thinking, I started to, and having a quota of articles I had to write, I started to think of all the articles that I had written that hadn't been published at Aussie. I spoke to my managers at the time and said, hey, what are you going to do about all that stuff that, number one being, I witnessed a rape, that story. What are you going to do about that? They said, well, we talked about it. And we're not going to run it. So you might as well, you can run it on your own blog or something. I go, ah, it's kind of a drag. Okay. I didn't have a blog. You know, January 1st came around. I had weathered eight months at a 19, uh, my salary had been cut 19%. Some of which you may have gotten. People had been laid off. Salaries had been cut. It was all the way to, you know, all the way to try to save the company during tough times. Later, of course, I'm jumping around again, found out that the company got a PPP loan to the tune of $3.7 million. I didn't know that at the time in January of 2021, I said, hey, we need to have a talk about returning the 19%. This after a glowing meeting when we were told that the sky was blue, People were buying and millions was flowing into the millions of dollars were flowing into the coffers. I was told, no, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna return that 19% just yet. We're not even drawing salaries ourselves, which reminded me very much of a promoter paying you if you're in a band, and then just as he hands the cash over, goes, you realize this is coming out of my pocket. I go, versus what? So, no, 19%. I remember, oh, yeah, everybody seems to be loving the Substack thing. I should start a Substack. I'll put the stuff that they don't run on the Substack. You know, I'll have it free like everything else, but if people want to pay money, they could pay money for it. So I put out the Substack. Whenever I did, you can go back. I couldn't even remember the day that I did the first one, but it was I witnessed a rape. And then every Sunday, I do a Substack. And I do it for several months. I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying myself. Spend some time on a Saturday or Sunday writing it up. And I put it up. Come up with a little feature, like five easy pieces where I ask questions. You know, but questions that the people who are not usually asked. I'm I'm having a good time. I get a call from the CEO. And the CEO says to me, he says, uh, on a Sunday, he says, uh, or, or, uh, uh, it's hard to tell. I, I wanted to say a Sunday because uh, he called me, but, you know, it shut down. He could have called me anytime. And he, he, he does this thing that I like, I like to call the lull. Just talking about my, my kids, you know, family, my wife. But I know the lull. So I know something else is coming. Then he drops a hammer. You got to pull down the substack. Did you not think I would fucking find out? It's not a secret. I've made no attempt to keep it secret. And uh, I don't know why I would pull it down. He said, what if everybody did what you did? And I go, and yet they don't. Uh, I said, I've always had some form of outside writing, whether it's an Oxbow tour diary or something. This is pre-existing. I didn't meet you until 2012. I was doing this stuff before. Yeah, you can't do it now. I go, I scheduled C this. Yeah, your schedule C covers things you had done. It doesn't cover things that you, 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 you have. So I want you to think about your future here at the company. And I want you to write a letter explaining to me uh, um, how you think that should play out and when you're going to pull down the substack, And we can talk about it later. It's like, okay. This is, so it must have been, I think it was on a, on a, on a Thursday. Friday, I, I, write, an, I write, write a letter immediately. And I lay out in the letter immediately, I lay out that I don't 
think it's just or equitable. Substack is just something that gives me pleasure. A few a few people who dig on the showstopper may maybe read it. I don't know. It's fun. Well, I don't think you know. It links back to my articles on Ozzy. I don't. I don't know why I should do it. Well, that Saturday. So from Thursday to Saturday, I get a call from COO Samir Rao. These names might be familiar to you if you read the New York Times, Business Insider, Bloomberg, Axios, CNN Business. I'll get to that later. He starts talking to me and says, "Um, I don't know how you think this makes any sense. What if everybody, what if, what if everybody did what you did? We, we, we have to control the country. I go, okay, I I got you. What amount, um, what about if I take it off a Substack and I run it on my Facebook page? He goes, you don't understand. We own all of what you write. I go, all of what I write? All of what I write? I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. What about stuff I do on my own time? You have no time. No, that doesn't sound right to me. He says, well, listen, I want you to think about it over the weekend. We can talk again on Monday. A a condition of your continued employment here is that you write up a a letter of apology for that last thing you just wrote to Carlos. You write a letter of apology to him and you pull down your substack. And we could talk about steps forward Monday. And so I have a, a, a dark night of the soul. But I feel God talking to me. And I read back over the three or four months of, of Substack postings. And I realize, you know, that I am a conduit, the demiurge, taking the, the realm of eternal ideas and turning them into words on the page. I'm not overstating the point. There's some of the best writing I've ever done in those Substacks. And I'm not going to pull it down. Moreover, having this discussion on Saturday was very specifically purposeful because if you pay attention at all, you see I publish every Sunday. And so that Sunday, I publish. And my phone comes alive on Monday, angry. And I say, yes, hello. And it's COO Samir Rao screaming. We specifically had this discussion. I don't know what's wrong with you. You guys know who listen to this show that no man alive talks to me that way. No one. And these guys for 10 years have been riding me like this. So. So. I said, well, tell you what. It's your company and you got to run it like you believe. But do you have any idea what my week looks like? I'll tell you what my week looks like right now. I do newsletters that include 40 word blurbs that point people to other websites. And I edit the transcript for the Carlos Watson show. That's it. That's it. The new, there's nothing new or next, our original marching orders about these newsletters. He goes, well, they have 20 million opens. I go, I get lots of emails and I open lots of emails and I probably read about 5% of them. Sell that shit to the advertiser. Don't sell it to me. I think that I don't sell it. Say it. I just say, I get a lot of email. I open, I open a lot of it. Don't read it, a lot of it. And, you know, as to your, you know, um, as, as to the editing the, the transcripts for the Carlos Watching Show, it's terrible. This is a, a circle of hell. Do you know what it's like to watch somebody who's got a fraction of the talent you have stumble through a job that you could do drunk and blind? Asking the same questions from interview to interview. My favorite being... My favorite being uh, the Werner Herzog, where he tries to bro down with Werner Herzog and says, uh, hey, we could hang out in L.A. And Herzog goes, in 400 years, 
And he tries to bring it up again. He says, yes, in 400 years, I will see you. Yeah, Ozzy used an uh, intellectual property contract that is very familiar to people who, who, who work at software companies, but it shouldn't cover media, which I said at the time. But yeah, I signed it. But pre-existing, I have never stopped writing for for. I've never stopped doing. If you heard me whisper about this during Knuckle Up and part of the countdown for Knuckle Up and the whole backline of I'm going to set myself aflame when we get to zero, I'm going to stop the show, was I was coming under undue pressure. To stop, one of the reasons why if I did it was killed is because I was working for Vox, a competitor. That I understood. I understood that. Another reason we created the show Stomper is because I own it. This is something I do, like golf, not owned by Vox. I had a, you know, obviously not connected to Bloody Elbow. I had a, diminu- a d- diminishing of, of readers and viewers doing it on my own. But then I was clear. Technically, I'm a guest on Care Don't Care, and I'm a guest on on If the Shoes Fit. That's how I was able to kind of grandfather closet. They looked me in the eye and they told me, we're going to get those two. At odd times, they asked me, we're thinking about asking you to stop doing jujitsu. I was going during my lunch break. They started scheduling meetings during my lunch break. So I said, screw it. I'm going to six o'clock class, six o'clock in the morning. Wake up, do jujitsu. Did that for nine years in the morning. But they said, you know, you're walking around the office, you're kind of broken up. Maybe we should ask you to stop doing jujitsu. These guys are taking a swing at everything, everything that might bring my life enjoyment. Because it's counter the mission. If you're not honest about the mission, the mission was clearly to remove any and all obstacles on the road to fame that the CEO imagined he was on. So I say, I'm not pulling down Substack. And I'm not going to write a letter of apology. There was a third thing. I don't remember what it was because I was so angry. I couldn't concentrate. But it's your company and you got to do what you got to do. So you let me know what that's going to be. He goes, great. We're going to terminate you for cause. Uh-huh. And then he sent me a letter citing the con- the, the cause, uh, the contract and the clause, uh, uh, the clause in the contract. And said I was doing outside work for hire. Not, this is not acceptable. You said you wouldn't do it. And so we're going to, I said, Substack is free. People don't have to. They can choose to. Anybody can choose to give me money. You could choose to give me 19%, but you chose not to. How am I supposed to pay my rent? How am I supposed to pay for gas and food? I got a wife on maternity leave and an 11-month-old in the house. How am I supposed to pay for this stuff? Because, well, everybody's got a tough time now. I go, okay. So I get canned. I, of course, hire a lawyer because I've got written proof from the company saying I could do what I did. First lawyer is a DC lawyer. She says, you know, you really might consider taking your hat in hand and going back. I, I go, you know what? You're not the lawyer for me. I'm the oldest guy in the staff. They told me I could do what I did. This is baseless and ridiculous. So she's like, go with your hat in your hands, see if you can get your job back, pull it Leading me to believe she had a serious conflict of interest. I, I found somebody else. I got lots of friends who are lawyers, lots of friends who no good lawyers. And this guy was, we're on it. Sends a demand letter. Asked for 18 months of salary, 18 months of uh, of healthcare, COBRA, which I never go to the doctor, even though I had those medical issues, which they knew about at the time. But the wife and the kid, they go to the doctors. Um, 18 months of my stock options, of which I had quite a few before I had to, to exercise them. And taking the termination for, uh, for, for a cause out and saying that uh, there were layoffs or not contesting my unemployment. Simple, basic. They countered with, we can't afford that. 
really my goal was nine months because I know they had the rest of the year budgeted. That would have been approximately the rest of the year. Back and forth from June, June until last Friday. When I'm sitting in the car outside of jujitsu, talking to Ben Smith from the New York Times on background. For those of you not in the media know, that means I can tell him things, but I don't want him connected to my name. I'm sitting there on my phone. He's coming through the car speakers and I'm checking my emails from the lawyer. The email from the lawyer says, my lawyer says, did you write this? And I look at the, I look at the uh, email and it's a letter from their lawyer that has a Glassdoor review. Now I had a friend who was a VP at Glassdoor and he said, companies are bending over backwards, trying to get through the, get over their walls to find out who at the company, who was leaving the, their, these review, negative reviews. They said, you're revealing trade secrets. You got, you have a legal, they, they lawyer up Glassdoor is like ironclad. You can't, you can't, they won't say anything. So I read this negative review and I'm sort of appalled. One, it shows that these men know nothing about me because it's clearly not my writing. It's not good writing, but it doesn't even, it's not bad writing, but it doesn't even sound like me. But I could see based on when it was posted, June 7th, Prince's birthday, that they think it was me. And I said, I didn't write it. And I don't know who did write it. So he writes back, Eugene doesn't know who uh, did it and doesn't, didn't do it himself. And they write back and fundamentally say, we believe Eugene Robinson to be a liar. So until that's removed, there's no offer. I interrupt Ben. I say, Ben, all that stuff we just said, you can quote me on. Late Sunday night, he published the first piece in the New York Times about a situation that was shocking. During an investor reference call with Goldman Sachs for a $40 million investment in Ozzy, at attendance were uh, a guy, a cat named Piper from YouTube. There's some initial screw up with Zoom and their suggestion made afoot to move it to a conference call. It gets moved to a conference call. Piper from YouTube is, is talking about how fantastic Ozzy is, how great the numbers are. You know, how stellar, how stellar the performance is. Except at one point, somebody at Goldman Sachs says, hey, the voice sounds kind of funny. And they go through this entire meeting, take a note. And they say, you know what? Uh, we have the email address for this. And it is Piper Cat, Alex Piper. And they go, yeah. So no, no, not the one that Ozzy gave us. Is there, can we get, they contact him through LinkedIn, get a hold of his office. The, the researcher, the journalist says, hey, um, uh, the person from Goldman Sachs, she says, hey, uh, we were just in that meeting with you. We had a few other questions. Piper goes, what meeting? The meeting, you were just on the Zoom call and we moved to the conference call. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Turns out that Piper wasn't in the meeting at all. It took about 2.3 seconds of investigation to figure out that it was COO Samir Rao using some voice changing widget on the meeting, extolling the virtues of Ozzy. Goldman Sachs comes, comes immediately, reveals what they found, Carlos Watson writes a letter of apology to Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs drops a deal, but somebody at Google feels it's necessary. They turn it over to the FBI. As someone once said in, in Ben Smith's piece, if this is not securities fraud, there is no such thing as, I'm paraphrasing, there's no such thing as securities fraud. The article breaks. 
Carlos Watson responds with a tweet that calls the article a ridiculous hit job. And then the world explodes. Caddy Kay, who spent 30 years at the BBC, had been signed on as an editor and executive producer at Ozzy, and had done a show already on BBC with Carlos, called When Caddy Met Carlos, resigns. It's a dumpster fire. She doesn't want to smell like smoke. She resigns. Mark Lazary and the guy from the Ford Foundation come out and say that they're behind Carlos 100%, that they handled it, and uh, we were satisfactory, satisfactory in the outcome. Okay. In explanation, Watson revealed that Samir Rao had had a mental health issue. It was taken care of. He took some time off. And um, they're very sorry. And it'll never happen again. That's the explanation. In the tweet, Mark Lazary from Milwaukee Bucks, owner of Milwaukee Bucks, a billionaire, says, we want to praise Carlos for his sensitive handling of mental health issues. We want to highlight importance of mental health in this COVID, some blah, 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 blah. I'm making the universal sign of a hand, jerking something off. Well, as you might imagine, if you spend any time in the Twitterverse, things explode after that. Sharon Osborne gets involved. Apparently, he went on a morning show with Alex Rodriguez and said that Sharon and Ozzy, after suing them initially, backed out of the lawsuit and became investors. This was a falsehood. Apparently, the buses and the kiosk and the posters you've seen, if you live in Los Angeles or New York, where where Amazon, where it claims that Amazon uh, Prime had picked it up, that was a lie. Number one interviewer on TV in the, in the supplement, the, the deadline was said, it was not, deadline didn't say any such thing. It was a quote from Samir Rao talking about the Carlos Watson show. And the hits accrue. Hit job, these hits accrue until by Wednesday, there are five of six of them. Blatant half-truths about the about the or complete falsehoods about uh numbers, statistics. How are you counting that 50 million readers? And then people who do analytics. You don't have to let people in your house for people to know what's going on in your house now. 20 million, we got 20 million email opens. Some people out there call bullshit on that. We have 50 million readers, bullshit on that. By Wednesday, Mark Lazarus had enough. He said, I'm resigning my board position. We really, it's, I'm not good at crisis management, which is funny if you look at Mark Lazarus' history, he should be very good at crisis management. He's out. Turns out Laureen Powell Jobs, the hammer that Carlos Watson used to intimidate the Osbournes because she's a billionaire, that she had been out since 2019. I knew something was going on when we start, We used to have Christmas parties together, resplendent affairs. And we started having them, Ozzy, it's time for Ozzy to walk on its own. Hey, is this an open bar? Well, the bar is open. But I mean, do I have to pay? Don't you usually? So, so much for drinking at company parties. She's out since 2019. Discovered that Louise Rogers, who had been the chairwoman of the board, had a bent, had resigned and visited three years earlier. Didn't know this. I mean, she kept appearing. I guess Carlos, on an as-needed basis, would call her in and she would come in. People, this is Wednesday. Articles keep coming. Boom, boom. Malfeasance, fraud, lies, deceit, lies, fraud. There's nowhere for them to turn. Friday, I'm talking a mere 72 hours ago. They pull it all down. That's it. Throw in the hat. Tap out. Ozzy has ceased publishing. 
Ben Smith today, Sunday, he texts me and he says, hey, you want to talk some more? I was like, yeah, I'm glad to talk. Like Humphrey Bogart said in Maltese Falcon, I like to talk. He doesn't call me, but he publishes another piece today that I tweeted out. If you follow me on at Eugene S. Robinson, you'll see Ben, the ben Smith's following article where he calls. calls. Now, flash over to where I am. His first piece quotes me. I call Ozzy a Potemkin village. A colorful turn of phrase that immediately gets picked up by everybody. Keep in mind, had they agreed to that severance with this non-disparagement clause and it's an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, I would have said none of that. Keep in mind, if the idea was to Clarence Thomize this whole exchange or to OG Simpsonize it or to Michael Jacksonize it and try to make this a case of these diligent brown folks being set upon by the Anglo media establishment, which is would have been the suggestion. The most damning thing was for the for the longest term employee there, an African-American, as I have been for the vast majority of my life. To come in and say, hey, you know what? Nah, this is not right. Place is not right. It added a ballast to the piece. And moreover. Then in CNN business, Eva Rodriguez, who was on, who was driven into a mental health facility by working there relentless 18 to 18 to 20 hour days day after day then she catches covid and they say work through it out just tough it out work through it then she quit she decides you know what it's time for me to you can quote me on that kate crane was there for two or three years started mental health issues ptsd still she said i'm going to stand on it too put my name attached to it too and everybody started to talk. And then it became a story not about corporate mal- not just about corporate malfeasance and deceit in Silicon Valley go-go culture and vast amounts of money that could have better served the real business of newsmaking, but uh, lining people's pockets for TV shows that no one cares about. Start talking. And all through the week, I'm talking to Business Insider. I'm talking to Axios. I'm talking to The Rap. I'm talking to, like Humphrey Bogart said in Maltese Falcon, I like to talk. Or like the old blues song says, don't start me talking. I'll tell you everything I know. You could have signed the paper. Could have signed the paper in June. So Ben Smith calls. He doesn't call me back, but he, 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 he talks to Carlos instead which is in the piece now. Moreover, one of the journalists from Forbes called uh, and she called me back, wanted to follow on. She said, you know what? I talked to Carlos about your, your, your Substack claim and he maintains that you weren't fired because you were doing a Substack. You were fired because you lied about doing a Substack. Over the course of time, I didn't mention this in the piece. Over the course of time, in his rages, he would curse at me. And at one point, in a moment of lucidity, I said, "Can't you gotta stop talking to me that way. You gotta stop." And I said, "It do, it's not helpful for me to come into work every day wanting to kill you." And he said, "That can't be good for you or me." which is actually a very funny line. So next time he has a rage, he's, he's about to say, I don't need any more of your bullshit, your BS. He catches himself. I go, BS is no better. We all know what it stands for. Stop it. So he did amend his behavior, but he had figured out very correctly that being called a liar constitutes fighting words for me because people lie for very few reasons and they're always the same to make themselves look better to avoid punishment which is out of fear um to get ill-gotten gains 
Um, oh, oh no, to, to no, not ill-gotten gains. To get to get to gain save something, right? And I can't remember what the fourth one is. But two of those, two of those are fear-based. And if you don't, if you know nothing about me, you could pretty clearly see that I lived my entire life. It's a testament to moving beyond, like like Nietzsche would suggest, moving beyond certain types of real. While on the one hand, I'm super paranoid, hypochondriac. On the other hand, my life has been fashioned out of a desire to move beyond those fears. Right? Move beyond them. That's why I've been doing martial arts since I'm 10 years old. Had the FFL. Had it, uh, it, so being called a liar and it's presumption that I'm doing so because I am afraid. Yeah, I go. Nice, nice you here, Nick. I'll talk about that in a second. So you gotta know it's gonna set me off. It's gonna set me off. So the journalist says he didn't fire you because you had a substack, fired you because you lied about having said, I never for a second did. And of course, this precipitated another 40-minute conversation where, like the blues song said, I'll tell you all I know. Now, Nick suggests something in the comments for those who just listened to this on SoundCloud. He goes, why do you think that he, 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 there was a difference in the way he treated the white employees? Because he's the only black boss I've had, and he is the worst boss I've had. And the, the African-American employees that Ozzy talked about, and it's the Delta. He does this thing where he, the glib charm that I talk about, where he lulls you. And if you're if, if you've never had the if you're an African American professional and you've never had the occasion of working for another African American, you might welcome it um, as a way to what Terry McMillan said, exhale. And it's in those relaxed moments that he would strike. But what I never forgot for a second, keep in mind, I'm a native New Yorker. I never forgot for a second that there's a classic and continual divide between African-Americans and West Indians. I have, I've been at political meetings, conferences. Oh, guy from Stanford. Oh, and I've had people sidle up to me like it's a secret society. The mayor, I was in some, some local politics. The mayor saddled up to me after I made some sort of comment at a meeting and she says, uh, we talk for a bit. And, and, and then she says, she looks to the left and the right. She looks at me and goes, you're Jamaican. I go, no, no, I'm not. You are Jamaican. <laughs> so she's talking to me in Patois. I go, I don't understand. Sorry, I'm not. Of course, with the miracle of 23andMe, I find out that <laughs> I'm Nigerian and they isolated the village where I'm from in Jamaica. <laughs> but nobody in my family knew this. You know, this is 80-year-old information. Nobody knew. And French, a little bit of French. Perrineau was the last name in the, in the chain. So he calls me a liar and I, I flip out. But uh, um, so I think there, there's the lull. You work for an African-American, you, you exhale, and then you discover that this African-American, I mean, the numbers of every single African-American employee that worked at Aussie, the very few resigned. Very few resigned. Don't know what happened. Don't know what happened, but I have talked to employees at Ozzy and mentioned something about Carlos screaming. They looked at me and goes, Carlos screams? <laughs> it dawned on me for the first time that there were two Ozzies. She had never seen that face. She had never seen, she had never had the lull that resolved itself with, you know, the, the ritual humiliation of being talked to like you're a dog. So any attempt to spin this, like I said, Clarence Thomas, that suddenly this was, you know, that this was, you know, oh, oh this media company started by all these big boys, this established media going after this African-American product, as was suggested in some of the Twitter feeds today, that this was just another case of a man having to say, 
know that this is the equivalent of O.J. Simpson suddenly being black when he was in trouble. Michael Jackson suddenly being black when you were in trouble. Fuck that. Where were you before? Where were you back where you're, I'm not black, I'm O.J. Clarence Thomas, the worst Supreme Court just in the history of Supreme Court, is suddenly when he runs into a little trouble at the confirmation hearings, it's a high-tech lynching. Treat us badly. He would deny it. Like in Ben Smith's follow-on piece, he spent his time denying the allegations. You don't understand. You don't. At this point now, what I understand, I understand that the board of directors believe that there was reason to shut the company down. So this is binary. They're either right or they're wrong. They're either wrong or they're right. They shut the company down because it's a bank holiday. You know, there's a movie that I always want to do. And if you pay attention to the show, you know just what I'm about to say. It was called The Losers. They had one last chance and they blew it again and again. That's a movie I want to do. The Losers. And they actually made a movie called The Losers. They should have used my tagline. So uh, that brings us to that brings us to today. Today, I wrote an article for the op-ed page for the New York Times. The Times, I said that I was going to do a substack about it, but they would be different. The Times wanted to New York Timesize it, and I gave them a lot of quotes that I didn't use in the Substack piece. So right now they're trying to decide whether it'll be the same piece twice or not. That's their choice. The piece I wrote for the Substack had a distinctly different edge, and it was published exactly as I wanted it published. The piece I wrote for them, I'll have an editor. He seems, seems like a good guy. Unknown whether he'll run it, but they want to run it tomorrow. You know, there are odd times at which um, I'm a fairly, those of you who watch the show for any length of time, have a pretty good understanding. There's a one-to-one correlation between what I'm saying and what I'm thinking. And if I'm laughing with you, I'm talking with you, generally feeling good about you, I'm not, there's, Like Tony Montana said, even when I lie, I tell the truth. It's built into my bones. So in that process, if you ever saw me laughing or bullshitting with Carlos Watson, you got to know those were genuine moments. In those moments, he wasn't back. You know, quick study, bright guy, sense of humor. But in the circles I travel, he would not have lived. If you hang around with tough guys, a couple of things you learn right away. That polite, like Sinatra saying, keep the party polite. Politeness is a virtue and they'll keep you alive a lot longer. But this kiss up, kick down, it got you $83 million, according to Crunchbase. but it got you where you are now as well. There are ways that you could survive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just I just got that $5 million figure that Nick mentions. That was galling. If you read to the very end of that piece, he says, well, he, he didn't sell it, but can you ever believe him? This is the one who's steadfastly calling me a liar. Can you believe him or the $3.7 million in PPP loans that they got that they didn't use to return to 19% because they were broke? You had people who were 
killing themselves to work there. Killing themselves. Some of these people now are out of work. The work that they did is under a shadow and soon to be dissolved into the ether. There was nothing wrong journalistically with what Ozzy did. There's a division of church and state in most media companies. Somehow, you know, somehow new media comes along. They run it like a startup, like a software company. And what happens? As long as you got American Airlines come in, you know, it doesn't matter that somebody's grandmother just died. You know what I was told? If that's the case, send flowers. That's not hypothetical. <laughs> Buddy's getting married. Fuck you. Send flowers. This is startup culture. Okay. Okay. You know, Machiavelli said something that was, was really pretty pointed and useful in this instance. He said, when you make an enemy, you make an enemy forever. Insofar as I have any moral compass at all. And I'm not making a big claim for that, mind you. It shows a deep understanding of that very true fact. I guarantee you the people that I've wronged have not forgotten it. So best to keep that number to a minimum. To a minimum. The calculation can't be as simple of they're nobody. They got nothing. Why be nice to them? You either can't control yourself or don't think that it makes sense to even try. So not only is it a story about fraud and car corporate malfeasance, as well as, like I like to imagine, somebody sitting in a meeting with big groucho glasses on and a big fake nose talking in a funny accent. My, my name is Alex Piper. I work for YouTube. hiding behind mental health issues when they're real people who have, and moreover, let me tell you, for the first time here, I was going to group meetings in February, and I don't recall, I don't recall anybody taking any time off for any mental health things that were named Samir Rao. Exactly, Mr. Z's got it right. I don't remember him. And that's a story that's being peddled to the press. You understand, I, I understand. Listen, I've talked to you about the Stalin story, right? He had a security system put in and he's asking the guy who put it in how good it is. And the guy who put it in, who's talking about how good it is. It's great, it's this, this, that, it does this, it's, it's that. He goes, is anybody else? No, 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 it's only me and you. Boom, that guy gets killed. So people start asking questions about that guy getting killed. And the people who ask questions, boom, they get killed. And if you look at it in a certain way, all of Stalin's murders stem from that first murder. <laughs> yeah, man, exactly. There was no, there was no time off, Mr. Mr. Kelson. <laughs> yeah. So. So. You got an enemy forever. And my day began. And keep in mind, this is what I wanted to do in the first place. The lawyer in DC, they have a division in San Francisco, talked me out of it. She said, look, maybe you'll be a media darling for five minutes. Maybe your tribe, by which she meant other media types, will appreciate your sacrifice. But mind you, it'll be a sacrifice. And re realistically speaking, no one cares about Ozzy. If you write a good piece about Ozzy, it'll be because you're writing. So just write about something else. And let, let's just move beyond this. You know, you're going to write a piece about Ozzy and ruin your job prospects for it. So will you, you, do you realize I'm 59 years old? Not only am I 59 years old, but I sing for Oxbow. And I do an MMA show that I scream in front of a guy who's got a huge schlong. A cursory examination of YouTube from any potential employer reveals that I am a curious character. 
Forget about the Stanford degree. Forget about the Folio Magazine Awards, the SPDs, the OGAs, the Maggies. These are magazine awards. My publications have won. I don't mean publications where I happen to be a, a, a janitor. Publications where I was editor-in-chief, top of the food chain. Going to a podium, giving speeches, walking out with pieces of glass. Forget about that stuff. Do you realize, do you realize that I worked at a company? Do you realize I worked at a company that hired me to be editor-in-chief of a music magazine? And when they saw videos of my band playing, they thought about firing me. This same company hired a guy with a swastika tattoo on his forehead. It took him three years to fire this guy. Three years to fire that guy. Swastika tattoo on his forehead. Finally, somebody said, well, it's a music magazine and he's a working musician. We should definitely hire him. That somebody was the woman who was on the chairman of the board at Ozzy and who brought me into Ozzy as employee number one. There are not a lot of people in the Valley who are looking for an excuse to, to not give you a job who will say, yes, we want that guy. Do you know how many jobs I've done multiple interviews for? And they said, we'll call you with an offer on Monday. And clearly somebody in HR said, Hey, I want to check this guy out on Google. <laughs> and as somebody in Jiu-Jitsu said to me, you know what? Like it's the world's fault that you like to jump around on stage in your underwear. I was like, fuck that. Pre-internet, I could do, I could Clark Kent it quite, quite nicely. Do my perfectly straight jobs. They go, what are you doing this weekend, Eugene? I go, gardening. And then go to shows with the band. But I'm a 59-year-old with a one-year-old kid in the house. So I woke up today and I, after doing some edits on the New York Times piece, played with the kid and sat down to write the substack that explains what I've been talking about for the last 10 years. When I thought I might get an ultimatum, I might have to shot, stop knuckle up. I might have to drop off a bloody elbow. I might have to stop Fightland. Yes, I wrote for Fightland too. Vice is vertical, which I did stop because I knew it would be coming and I knew it was the competition. I couldn't do it. Attempts to get me to stop Oxbow, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, to essentially be nothing but a guy standing by the wayside waiting for the cavalcade of glory that was gonna make Carlos Watson a household name. Mm -hmm. So, so I wrote the substack and the last hang up was the title. I told my mother about the title and she's like, mm, because it cuts so many different ways. And at the same time, it puts race right up front in a way that's complicated and complex. Because on the one level, the media establishment, the white people who read it, they'll have an understanding of what it is that we're really talking about. But if you're in the know, you'll know how hardcore that title is. You have to read the piece. It's illuminated in the body of the piece, but you have to know what, but you have to read the piece. Use that mo movie Mephisto with Klaus Maria Brandauer as a reference if you can stand to sit through the two and a half hours of the movie about an artist during Nazi Germany. Take a drink. So I have no idea if I'm ever gonna make any money off of the Substack. I like doing it. That's that's all I have. I like doing this show. 
its very existence is no longer threatened by what keeps food on my table. This show, therefore, keeps food on my table. During the show, I can see I got an email here from the guys in the New York Times. I have to finish the edit for the New York Times after the show, which is okay because there's no JJB. That's fine. Yep. Yes, Mr. Z. I thank you. I meant to mention that. And Tommy, Tommy Pounds as well. I got your letter. Went to the post office yesterday. Got your letter. So I'm not a complete animal. There have been bursts of second guessing this process from my mother saying that's kind of hardcore. My mother who used to carry a 38 and pistol with people when she was a cop. This is pretty hardcore. So I second guess myself and I'm starting to think about the man. So, you know, I actually had moments where I enjoyed with the guy. I start to do what people call feeling sorry for what it is I'm about to do. Not like when you're about to murder somebody and your brain tells you this is so wrong and you override that impulse. I would guess. But just on a human level, these were not counterfeit moments I spent with him. And then I remember... Like the bad brain said, in the end, you just may see that what you receive is what you gave to me. Ten years, nine years, almost a decade. Almost a decade of being treated in a way that I wouldn't treat a dog, and I'm a guy who actually had to kill a dog who attacked him. I mean, in the, you know, it wasn't like I, he attacked me on Tuesday and I came back on Thursday and uh, I had a hit. The dog was attacking me and I killed him in the process. Moreover, my contribution or not, the story gets told. The FBI has been told by Google these things have happened. You can't, you can't, you can equivocate and dissemble your way around them, but they've happened. Fake news, five times in a row, the losers. They had one last chance and they blew it again and again and again and again and again. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. At this point now, at this point now, I'm turned to somebody on the stand on the, uh, on the shore as that ship sails away into the gloom, and I say, "Ah, I see. We hardly knew ye." My contribution is as a witness, and all the junior staffers. And all the people who think that journalism is like that and have gone on to other careers outside of journalism, have gone back to school, have gone away from the field, they need to know something. That place was unusual. It was sui generis. It was not right. On the one hand, I want to say it was not journalism, but clearly it was a type of journalism. Just like I said about religion. <laughs> For long, many years, I couldn't blame the hammer. After 9-11, I started blaming the hammer. This is journalism. It loyal, I'm a loyal guy, uh, Mr. Merrill, but I was at a disadvantage. I was at a disadvantage. Start with being older, start with just being in the valley and there are not many media opportunities. Start with you can get legitimate work inside corporations, but Google has made it difficult with the whole underwear on stage thing. They're, they're, and, and believe me, you won't hear me rambling on about racism, but ageism, that shit is real.
And generally, if I get in front of people, they forget about the fact that I'm 59. But the reality of it is those applications, when they ask where you graduated from college, that's not there because they care that you graduated from college. That's there for the name. So there you have it. Read the Substack. Subscribe to it. What's that? Uh, sign up for my, my new open, not privacy blocked Instagram, eugene.s.robinson on Instagram. Mr. Sleep 3 will still stay active, but I don't want the world having access to uh, pictures of my kid. So if you're already in the Mr. Sleep 3, if you don't let me see, if you're, if you're privacy protected and I can't see inside you, I typically don't okay you. You could be a spy. So sign up for both of those. Like Kid Nate says, somewhere here, there's a button. Click the button so you get notified about the Show Stomper shows. We did no commercials today. Those of you in the know already know. Pinko, P-I-N-K-O, 95014 at yahoo.com if you want to pay via PayPal. There's a Cash App. There's a Venmo. Or you can go to patreon.com slash the stomper and donate money for the show. Um, I don't even really need to talk about Santos. I had two cares on that card, Aspen Ladd, Macy Chazone, and Santos versus Walker. Aspen Ladd fight got canceled. Santos and Walker, I told, what did I tell you when Brazilians fight each other? What did I say in the past? And this is your light heavyweight division? Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. However, according to Steph, we did the show this morning. Uh, she said the first fight of the night, uh, uh, Johnny Eduardo, we should figure, Marty G and I should figure it out for the next JJB. And so we will do that. And that's enough to be said. The next fight coming up next weekend, Dern, and I don't even remember who she's fighting. I had two fights on the 15 fight card. I had two fights, two cares on it again. I have to let you know, internet chatter vis-a-vis -vis the show last night, the fight last night, only Mr. Is was, was, was talking about it. None of the rest of you. So don't tell me that you saw it. Don't have time to talk about Johnny Boney Jones, a domestic violence thing, except you go to Vegas, you get got. Sonny Liston got got. Can't go to Vegas. You can't. You can't. That's enemy territory. You should have been on your P's and Q's. I'm not excusing what Johnny Boney Jones did. However, if I could see a fraction, a, a, a fraction, a noticeable fraction of the same feeling about alleged accused rapist Conor McGregor, then I'm thinking we're we got a we got a level playing field, and I'm not. But I largely believe the sport is now dead. He's over a barrel. He will get none of what he wanted, which is what I wanted. So he will get some secondary or tertiary thing, which is what the Baldwin wants. Or if you want some CEO sadism, read the Substack in the middle of it. You'll see what I'm talking about. That's a happy boss. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mr. Z's got it right. Jesus Christ. So anyway, thanks for listening. On Monday afternoon, care don't care. We tweeted out through the bloody uh, elbow Twitter machine. Tuesday, it's Kid Nate. He's back. We're going to do a Let It Roll podcast. Oof, that's a big secret. <laughs> if you pay a dollar, you get to see the, the screening of the, the Metal Evolution but otherwise, it's uh, it's uh, if the shoe fits. And the rest of the week, the story will develop. My New York Times piece will be out or not. If you follow me on at Eugene S. Robinson on Twitter, you'll get, get a chance to see it. And at least this story that started nine years ago that I've been shaggy dogging every time I go, I start muttering about stuff that's, and you guys just think, is he nuts? He's nuts, right? He's nuts. And I've been threatening for the last few weeks to talk about, I finally did it. Finally. 
We'll see you next week. Don't die. The kid is sleeping, so I can't scream for the outro. All that screaming is probably keeping me from getting a job, too. Anyway, uh, don't die. We'll see you next week. Look what you made me do.